Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life Clarifications with Natasha. I'm here to be with you, and I am so grateful. I have this wonderful guest with me today on Wednesday. Uh, usually, I do a lot of my stuff to help people get through the struggles of the 3D world, and, and I'm just grateful to have you know a guest here. Uh, Mark Anthony, he's a psychic um, medium, just like I am. And he, though, has had so much different experience in this psychic medium adventure. And I just wanted to hear a little bit more about what he does and how he does it, because I know that, you know, walking through the, the lawyership that he does, because he is a lawyer, and how he does do that lawyership at the same time being the psychic medium and doing the work he does, because I can, I know that he does a lot of work. So I, I'm going to read a little bit about him here. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, being the psychic lawyer, you know, and here I'm going to stumble and I apologize, you know, that the fourth generation psychic medium, you know, how do we negotiate that, you know, being psychic medium for generations and his, you know, being the experiences and how he does um, he went, you know, through the Oxford uh, education you know what, trial awesome. system. And I want you to really elaborate on this because I want you to know that you are a blessing, you know, that. Uh, you know, Natasha, let, why don't we just um, thank you for having me on the show. I'm Mark Anthony J.D., the psychic explorer, <laughs> also known as the psychic lawyer. And people ask me about the J.D. That's Juris Doctor. That's my law degree. I'm a fourth generation psychic medium. I'm an Oxford educated trial attorney. I've tried over 100 jury trials. I am not taking law cases. So please don't contact me about being <laughs> your lawyer because the focus of my work now is on on my communication with the other side. Yes. And I've written three books. Um, and the latest, The Afterlife Frequency, just won three awards. And it was up for a Pulitzer Prize. And I'm, I'm really honored and humbled uh, by that. And I also write for Best Holistic Life magazine, and I invite people to subscribe by going to bestholisticlife.com. I also co-host The Psychic and the Doc, a live stream show every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And my co-host is the amazing Dr. Pat Basilia, a world-renowned behavioral psychologist. People call in, I do many readings, and then Dr. Pat adds her amazing insight. So yes. I'm so honored to be here on the show. Thank you, Natasha, for having Thank me. Thank you for being here. Because I know that, you know, when we're together as a team trying to do better in this world, how do we do that by, and I'm so grateful technology is here to do this with us, you know, and I do, I do feel bad that I did not respect you to have all this wording, but like I, I was having oh, a conversation with my husband the other day about being dyslexic that, you know, it's like when you read books, but you didn't really read until after high school, there's a lot of words that are not in the tongue tying, you know, like I was in high school and people said, Natasha, you don't even understand the English language. Why are we going to have you speak another language? And now I have I work at an elementary school and I'm having kids who are, are Spanish speaking and they are having me dyslexic teach these kids English. <laughs> but actually, I'm doing a good job because I'm using my intuitiveness to help me when they're speaking because they speak in Spanish next to each other. And I'm like going, guys, not that conversation. And I don't even know what they're saying, but I'm using my intuition to, to say. No, no, say. <laughs> no, no, say. 
Yeah. So it, it's been an interesting dance being me, but you know, here we are. So Mark, you know, thank you again. And, you know, congratulations on your book. I know that it's something, it's hard to be humble enough to say, I did it. But then at the same time, you know, being able to be here and to have that, you know, being able to do that. So congratulations. So you, let's talk a little bit about your book if you want to. Uh, certainly um, my book. And uh, I just happen to have a copy of it right here. This is my latest book. And uh, this is the Afterlife Frequency, and it has now won three awards. I can only mention two of them because, uh, excuse me, one of them because two of them I'm not allowed to talk about <laughs> until the official release by the organizations yes. on June 1st. But it won the 2022 Cover Award, the Coalition of Visionary Resources, um, best book in the reincarnation afterlife and grieving uh, categories, mm -hmm. and then has won two other um, awards by very prestigious organizations, and I'm, I'm extremely humbled by that. Um, it was also up for a Pulitzer Prize, as was my last book, uh, Evidence of Eternity. So I've written three books. Uh, my first one, Never Letting Go, is a guide on the journey through grief, mm -hmm. and I, I wrote it for people who are coping with that shock when you're in that fog and you don't know where to turn. And the mm -hmm. reason for that is I wrote it in response to my own grief because I couldn't find a book that I felt really helped people. And the subtitle of Never Letting Go is Healing Grief with Help from the Other Side. Yes. And so then, and, and, and then Never Letting Go starts catching on like wildfire. I, I was, I was stunned. And, you know, Natasha, I think one of the, the pivotal moments in, in my life as a, as an author, never letting go had been out for about a month and it was doing well. And I received a letter from this woman in Australia and she said that she was about to take her own life. I, and, I just like that so much. She found my book and decided after reading it not to. And I thought that if I'd only sold that one book, then everything I went through, you know, the, the hassles with the publisher and, and, and everything that you have to go through to, to publish a book, it was worth it. So then I was on the evidence, uh, excuse me, the never letting go book signing tour and mm -hmm. asked me all kinds of questions. Like, is there a God? Is there a hell? Do animals have souls? Is reincarnation real? Just, you know, <laughs> I get that, yeah. Well, they started asking me all these very poignant questions. So what I did is I started keeping track of the most asked questions. What did people want to know? Mm -hmm. And then that gave birth to my second book, Evidence of Eternity. And and that that too won an award. And then when it was up for a Pulitzer, I was I was so wow, blown away. <laughs> yes. And, then, but see, with with evidence of eternity, it's not never letting go. Part two. Each of my all of my books stand on their own, because in evidence of eternity, I wanted to start bridging the gap between the spiritual and the scientific, and I started introducing new terms for for concepts and mediumship. And the reason that I did that is because the terminology that is accepted and used in the field of spirit communication was coined in the Victorian era based on, on their understanding of science and spirituality. Mm -hmm. at the time. And I wanted to bring this into the 21st century. 
Well, Evidence of Eternity was received so well, uh, the questions then started coming in about more science. And so that's what led me to write the afterlife frequency. And the, the subtitle of the afterlife frequency is the scientific proof of spiritual contact and how that awareness will change your life. And what I always tell people is, let me caution you. It is not a boring scientific treatise. I <laughs> enough boring books in the practice of law and in law school. I promise I'm not going to do that to anybody. And I write like I write my nonfiction books like they're juicy novels. I want you to be entertained. And I get it. And I, I take you on a journey from the cosmic to the subatomic. And uh, there, there's many, many facets to, to the afterlife frequency, and it has been endorsed by the world's top afterlife research scientists and near-death experience researchers, mm -hmm. uh, movie star, film icon, spiritual legend Shirley MacLaine yes. recommended it. Um, it was designated by prettyprogressive.com as one of the top books about faith in God. And it knocked my socks off when I received a, uh, an email from Columbia University indicating that it had been uh, up for a Pulitzer Prize. And, yeah. and, you know, at first, you know, whenever you see something like that, I thought, well, that's some of my friends, you know, pulling my leg or something. Yeah, exactly. So I called the number and they go, Columbia University, officer of the office of the Pulitzer. And I'm like, oh my God, this is for real. And I, 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 <laughs> they, they sent me verification. <laughs> so, but, but congratulations. Um, thank you. But it's, it's been a very, very long uh, journey. And um, there's an award ceremony and they just uh, recorded my acceptance of the afterlife frequency. And what I said, which I'd like to share with you, because I think you'll enjoy this. I explained that as a writer, a lot of doors were slammed in my face. Mm -hmm. And a lot, of, a lot of publishers and people said, well, you and your book are not the right fit. fit. For us. Yes. And so I, want, I have two words I want to say to all of those. <laughs> Them. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Because the truth is, you were not the right fit for oh, me, me. Mm -hmm. and I found the right publisher and the right people to work with, which is New World Library, and for all the writers that are out there who are getting doors slammed in your face, let that be a motivation to redouble your efforts, be the best writer you can be, and never give up. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. I know I have a book in me. I have like a lot of books in me, but trying to get the word and word out of me. It's like, if I could, if I can do a video, I like, I never, I went into Toastmasters and they'd say, Natasha, don't you ever write your stuff down? And I go, no. And I would have a 20 minute conversation in front of them. And they're like going, how do you do this? And I'm like going, I just know my stuff. I know. There's I have a software. knowing in my stuff. There's software now um, where you can essentially dictate, you know, write it out. And then, you, you know, then you go back and clean up the grammar and all that. Um, I've always been a writer. I've, I've, my mother was a, an artist. My mother was a medium. My dad mm -hmm. also was a medium. He was a Navy SEAL and a NASA engineer. And when I was about three and a half years old, I started seeing spirits. And, uh -huh. I hear you. 
Yeah, and the reaction to that was very different. Mom was like, oh, he's got it. And dad was like, oh, geez, he's got it. <laughs> but but uh, I, was always, I was always in a, a very creative environment. And um, I always took art lessons and writing. Mm-hmm. But, but my, my art form is, is writing. And I love to, to craft stories. And I love to take technical concepts and put them in a way that anybody can understand. And that, that is also a skill that I had to utilize as an attorney. Mm-hmm. Because when you go in front of a jury, uh, you know, I, I had a friend and he was super intellectual. His name was Jeff. And, and we used to, to tease him and, and we'd make fun of how Jeff would talk to a jury. He'd be like, I realize you're all morons, so I'll make this as simple as possible. And even oh, that voice that you kind of feel. And we're like, Jeff, you can't basically go up in court and insult everybody's intelligence. Oh, gosh, you know, no. You've got to tell a story because the people on a jury, they're not stupid. Maybe no. they didn't go to law school, but they're not stupid. They have life experience. and, and you Everybody know, you has make, different kinds of smarts. Everybody has different types of intelligence, and you've got to be able to relate to them on a one-on-one in a human level. And mm-hmm. so that's what I always try to do in my work. Well, good. I, and Sue is one of my followers, and she's been a blessing to me as a friend. And she says, um, how did you shift from being an attorney to doing what you do now? Okay. Hold on. I need a sip of water. (laughs) Well, I know for me, the intuitive work, you cannot not do it. You know, it's something that you cannot stop. It it just happens when you're at this level of understanding of the, of the other side of the world, you cannot stop doing it. So that's part of probably why. Well, what happened is I was, I was very, I always had a great relationship with my parents. They both passed. Mm-hmm. And um, I was sitting in my law office one day and it was about lunchtime and I was really hungry. And, you know, I'm a guy, we like to eat, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm Italian. So I like to eat Italian. And I kept thinking about spaghetti and, and um, my secretary put a call through. She goes, oh, your mom's on, you know, line one. So I pick it up and it was my mom. She goes, hey, honey, I made spaghetti would you like to come over for lunch? And I thought, yeah, you know, I mean, I just thought that was great. And, and I went over there, uh, Natasha, and my parents lived about five miles from my office. Mm-hmm. So I went and we had this really beautiful lunch. Um, Mom made broccoli rob and sauce. And it was like, you know, this real Southern Italian recipe. And she looked tired that day. And, and um, I remember as I was leaving, she said, Mark, I want to say something to you. And she said, I'm, I love you so much and I'm so happy that you've been my son. And I said, well, I love you too, mom. And, and I, I hugged her and kissed her and, and I left and I thought that was kind of a strange thing to say. And I had this mm-hmm. ominous feeling mm-hmm. And so the next day I was in court and the judge's assistant came into the courtroom. I was waiting, you know, to go up in front mm-hmm. of the judge and she said, Mark, you need to get into chambers right now. And I walked in there and they handed me the phone and uh, my assistant and my secretary was in tears. And she said, Mark, your dad just called your mom died. And I'm like, what? And what happened, Natasha, uh, w- which happens to, to everyone who experiences a profound loss, 
I spiraled into this, this horrific depression. And I honestly didn't know how I was going to get through it. But I mean, I was back in court two days later. I, I don't know how I did that, but because, you know, I, I was I was a senior partner in a law firm. I had all this mm-hmm. responsibility. And about, about three weeks or so after that, I was driving back from court again. And I'd gotten to the point where I was I was handling things and Everyone that's been through grief, you know that you'll get to a point where you're handling things and all of a sudden a tsunami comes. Yes. (laughs) Know that one well. (laughs) I bet everyone who's lost a loved one uh, knows this. And one of those tsunamis hit me Mm -hmm. and I realized I had better pull over. I can't go into my law firm, you know, uh, in tears and, and losing it. And so I'm sitting there in the parking lot of this convenience store and all of a sudden, this flash of light went off. And, and to this day, was it in the car? Was it in my mind's eye? But I immediately- It, it, it doesn't really matter. It's there. Well, it, I immediately turned to the passenger side, and there was my mother's silhouette in this silver white light. And this message in her voice filled my head. And she said, Mark, you've been given the gift of mediumship so that you would not be crushed by grief. But now you must help those who are suffering with theirs. All right. So, Natasha, I'm trying to process that as the second wave of messages hits me in her voice. And she said, your mission in this life is to help people understand that God exists that heaven exists, that souls are immortal living spirits, that humans can communicate with spirits, and that we will all be reunited in the light that you call God when it is your appointed time to leave the material world. Mm -hmm. So I sink back into the chair in my car, and I'm soaking wet with sweat. And all I could say was, okay. (laughs) Natasha, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm the senior partner of a law firm. If I tell anybody this, they're going to think I'm insane. <laughs> you know, and, and, it's like, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm like, I have to get my composure. And then the realization hit me. This was a life altering event. You know, I hear about these people who say, oh, I had this spiritual event. I was sitting on a mountaintop in Maui. Well, no, duh. I mean, who, who can't be spiritual sitting on a mountaintop in Maui? <laughs> Here I am in the parking lot of a convenience store a block from my law firm. And I know as soon as I walk in, there's like clients in, in chaos waiting to you know suck the life blood out of me. Uh, yeah. And, but everything changed. And, and to answer the question, and I'm glad that the the um the the uh, listener asked that, everything changed within uh, like three months. I was offered a job at a government agency to oversee court operations. And then I'd also started work on my first book, Never Letting Go. And I thought, okay, um, this seems this seems like I need to do this. And to to the shock of, of everyone in my family, I left the active practice of law and went into working for this government agency. And then Never Letting Go was released. And about a month and a half later, <clears throat> I brought on board my, my manager, Rocky. And, and anybody that's seen any of my personal um, events or online events, Rocky, Rocky's always part of it. She's awesome. And she booked me 
a tour in the Northeast and it was great. I mean, she got me on this show on MSNBC. And so there we are in 30 Rock, okay, in New York City, in the studio next to where they film Saturday Night Live. So I'm like, oh my God, this is great. And then she got me a book from there. We flew to Boston and I was uh, going to speak at Harvard, which was like, okay, I'm speaking at Harvard. So we're walking around and it's it's chilly and, and Christmas was coming. So, you know, uh, Harvard is is a beautiful campus anyway, but everything's kind of all decorated for the season. We're sipping this hot coffee and also my cell phone rings. Well, it's the elected official that I work for from the government agency. You're taking too much time off from work. Okay. And I said, well, that's my vacation time. And he said, and, and I won't name the political party, but I'm sure everyone can figure out which one it is. Uh, members of the party are complaining that I have a psychic on staff. And, and, um, and he said, I'm catching all kinds of political flack. And he's going on and on and on. And all of a sudden, I just said, I'll make this very easy for you, sir. With all due respect, I resign. And he said, okay. And I hung up the phone. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me what I'd just done. And I said, well, Rocky, I go, Rocky, I just quit the legal profession. And she said, Mark, take a look around. I'm looking around. She goes, where are you? I said, Harvard. She goes, what are you doing in one hour? I said, I'm speaking about the afterlife and signing copies of my book, Never Letting Go. She said, she said don't you think this is exactly where you're what? supposed to be right now? Mm -hmm. So that is how I transitioned from practicing law to being a full-time medium. And since that time, you know, I, I also am an afterlife researcher, a near-death experiencer and near-death experience researcher, a paranormal expert. Um, the reason I got, and it was funny because when I was in New York, uh, the media said, this guy's a lawyer and a psychic. They go, all right, he's a psychic lawyer. So then that stuck. And then I started um, lectures and being invited on several radio programs like mm -hmm. Coast to Coast AM and, and several others. And then I got labeled as the psychic explorer because a lot of what I do is I travel around the world to mystical sites uh, mm -hmm. where supernatural phenomena mm -hmm. occur. And I've studied all the different belief systems and shamanism and Native Americanism and Egyptology and all this. So... So that's how I became known as Mark Anthony J.D., Juris Doctor, Lawyer, Psychic Explorer, and here mm -hmm. I am. So, so that that's how that all happened. I know it's a, it's a fairly long story, but I look back on that sometimes, and, and, and I realize that nothing is by, by chance. No. Nope. It's all no. synchronicity, and, and that's one of the terms that I introduce um, in the afterlife frequency. I call it spiritual synchronicity. And that's exactly what happened to me because mom spirit came to me and told me, look, this is what you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And then um, I had the free will to take the leap. Um, and I did. And so spirits don't come through. Spirits are not here to control us no. or tell us what to do, but they can present a viewpoint that they can guide us. It's up to us. Because it would have been easy for me just to have said, no, I'm going to stay in the practice of law. And, you know, maybe I could do some some mediumship stuff on the side. But um, it was very clear that that um, 
everything that I went through as an attorney, which I'm very grateful for, and the things that I learned there were all part of the skill set that I needed to bring into my spiritual work. Exactly. Well, I can totally understand that because I know for me, you know, going through 32 years of marriage, 25 of them with an alcoholic, you know, at the same time, you know, you know, bought my first house, my dad died, um, had my first child all within the same summer, you know, then three years later, had my first child found out my mom had Lou Gehrig's disease, had to buy had to buy a house. My dad had to go first. Because of the fact that he needed to guide me through my mom. And the house that I'm in now is the house that we bought. I've always wanted a detached garage with a farmhouse look, with a pond and a horse weather vane. I have a detached garage. I I live kind of in the country. It's a farmhouse. The swimming pool that was in the backyard, we made into a pond. And I have a horse weather vane on top of my garage. My dad took care of his daughter and his wife. You know, and so there's those dances that we go through, the synchronicities, you know, because I went through my parents' dance, you know, with that grief and all that kind of stuff. And then a year later, I was I was told to come on or go to see Doreen Virtue in Hawaii. She was the reason I went there. Hawaii is what I needed. <laughs> You know what I mean? I yeah. was never into, you know, oh, this person is so-and-so. Oh, God, no. They're all human. You know, it's They're so all funny. human. You know, we're all human. You know? It's so funny that you said that because I remember um, uh, when I was between the the vision I received from mom and leaving uh, the, the, my law firm, I, I met um, Sylvia Brown. Mm-hmm. And for some of the viewers who may not know, Sylvia Brown was a highly controversial figure. Yes, she and was. She was. And uh, she was well into her 70s when I saw her. And she was sitting in this chair. It was like a throne. And everybody would would come up to, to her and ask her questions. And I was just really taken aback at how abrupt she was with some people. Because, I mean, I felt so bad because this one guy... Um, he, he walked up and he, he ran into a table and knocked over some chairs on the whip. And he said, um, Sylvia, am I going to find true love? And she goes, well, I don't even think you're going to find your way back to your own seat. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then this lady walked up and she goes, what happened to my cat? And Sylvia goes, it ran away. And so so I, I went up because everyone was permitted to approach and ask a question. You know, they're all treating her. I said, so who's around me in spirit? And she looked at me and she goes, your mother. And it's time you accept your abilities and start being a medium. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized she was was truly legitimate. She was. Uh, she was really rough around the edges. She, well, she was. But I could also see how people were constantly draining her. Mm-hmm. And when I saw her, she wasn't feeling very well. She uh, had broken a hip or something. And, and when she wasn't on stage, she was in a wheelchair. And um, she she um, she was trashed a lot in the media. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, once you put yourself out there, you got to get used to the, the nasty comments because some people are just downright rude. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are always picking at you and they're, they're, you know, oh, you're a fraud and you're this and humanity, that. You're the humanity is not kind in a general sense. There's great people, but humanity has its unkind side. Yeah. For every uh, Mahatma Gandhi, there's a thousand Vladimir Putins, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of, I've had like about five people who said, hey, send me a friend request. I got a reading for you. So I've been deleting and, and blocking as we've oh, as you've and been. Then, yeah, and there's the scammers. The scammers. Yes, exactly. So I've been behind the scenes. That's that's the thing is, is that, you know, like there was somebody who asked for a reading and, and I, I will put that up there. But at the same time, though, I'm having to to do this and, and honor you because well, this is live. For, and so I'm trying I'm the, wanting to read all the listeners. For all the listeners, um, if 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 you receive um, a message from somebody pretending to be me saying, oh, I I have a special message for you or from Natasha or from any other legitimate mediums do not do things like that. There are scammer spammers who are out there impersonating accounts and doing those things. If you want to find out about me or book a reading about me, find about my show, sign up for my newsletter visit my website, which is Afterlife Frequency, just like my book, afterlifefrequency.com. That's how you're going to get a reading with me, not me. So Because somebody contacted me, they were complaining. They said, I sent you $50 for a reading and you never gave it to me. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, you direct messaged me. And I said, I don't do that. She goes, well, I kind of thought it wasn't you, but I thought I'd give the $50 ever anyway. Look, I can't cure gullible, okay? (laughs) And and I've told people, I mean, in every, all my colleagues, all of our colleagues, Mm -hmm. mediums, we don't solicit people like that. No, no, we don't. We don't. And and that's the thing is, is that for me and my show, I've always held high integrity. You know, this is who I am. People have said, oh, I'll tell you that. I said, stop. You have not given me permission yet. I don't need. It. No, no. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. People, uh, they see these goofy TV shows where a medium walks into a pizza parlor. Somebody's eating a pizza. Hi, I'm a medium. Your grandfather's around you and blah, 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 blah. All right. First off, that's unethical. Secondly, it's not real. I've been on television a lot and I can tell you that when there's six different camera angles, close-ups, perfect makeup, perfect lighting, perfect sound. There's a whole camera crew there doing a three-camera shoot, and it takes about five hours to film what's edited down to a 45-second, I'm a medium, your grandfather you know, says yeah. he loves you or whatever. All right, so so people get this this misconception that that's what mediumship is all about. Also, it is unethical just to go up and fling a reading at somebody. All right. So let's say that person's there eating pizza. Well, they're there because they want to eat pizza, not because they suddenly want to connect with deceased loved ones and deal with that grief. It would be the same as if I walked up to that person with a pair of pliers and said, I think you need a root canal and help them down <laughs> exactly. and pull their tooth out. Would you want me to do that? I think everybody's answer is no. So why would you want someone to fling a reading at you? You go to spirit communication when you're ready for it. 
And spirit exactly. communication is an important therapeutic step in the journey through grief. And on my website, it explains wait four to six months after the passing. Uh, people say, but I want the I want the contact right away. You may want it right away, but you're not really going to get much out of it mm -hmm. if you're hysterical and overwhelmed with grief or if you're in shock. And the spirits, a spirit can communicate right away because I've been there when people have died. Yes. I've seen spirits come out of them and 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 other uh, you know spirits communicating with them. Um, but it's the recipient who needs to give him or herself time for emotions to stabilize. So I that so concur. Yeah, so then you can then get the maximum benefit out of the reading. And it's not that I'm unsympathetic to what you're going through, but in the initial stages of grief, that's when you turn to your, your faith, your family, friends, grief share groups, counseling. And then when your emotions begin to stabilize, that's when you'll be ready for the spirit communication. Exactly. And and a lot of times, like for me, when I get messages, a lot of times I just, you know, say, I just want you to know you're loved. You know, I don't go out there and just, you know, do I've had messages from spirit come to me, you know, and and I like in a restaurant one time they came to me. I said, OK, I was talking to the spirit. If you want me to do this, you got to make it available. I had the urge to go to the bathroom, walked in the bathroom. The person was walking out of the bathroom at the same time I was walking in. I said, okay, this is the universe telling me. And then I asked first, do you believe in, would you like, you know, I asked permission first. Yes, I would like, okay. Then there was that quick version. And I said, thank you for letting me give the message. I appreciate. And I, you know, please remember that your truth is your truth. Whatever was said here, put in your back pocket, go forward. You know, I, I try to give that, that, that grace that way, because I believe in that. And I know that, you know, grief, you know, you have to, even us who are close to the universe, we still are human and we go through our grief process, you know, and, well, and it's a walk. Yeah, it it yeah. is a walk. You have to go through the walk and, and exactly. like, Grief doesn't bounce off of us. Mm -mm. Um, we are human and we hurt and, and we grieve. And I do, uh, I speak a lot at grief groups and, and at conferences. Uh, last summer, I spoke at the Helping Parents Heal mm -hmm. National Convention. And for anyone who has lost a child, which is the most excruciating loss of all, Helping Parents Heal is a beautiful organization. And they incorporate mediumship in their approach to helping parents heal and, and get through the grieving process and enduring it. And I work a lot with, with men. And men need to learn how to grieve because the problem is, as guys, we tend to suppress our feelings mm -hmm. and we don't want to embrace them. And I try to teach men that it's, it's okay to cry because we have tear ducts, feelings, and hearts for a reason. Also, there's a scientific reason why you should cry in grief. The tears of grief are chemically different than reflex tears, like, you know, from sneezing or you're chopping up an onion or whatever. But tears of grief actually contain the neurotransmitters, that is the hormones which cause depression. And so when you cry, 
you're actually getting the chemicals that are causing depression out of your body. Mm-hmm. That's why after Thank you for year, saying it that way. It's it's important to know. And this is not some airy fairy thing. This is substantiated mm-hmm. by the University of Minnesota and I believe UCLA or USC, but it's a two different institutions have have um, verified this. And that's why after a good grief cry, number one, you feel exhausted because those neurotransmitters, you know, you're, you know, that when that when those levels drop, you physically mm-hmm. feel feel um, depleted, but you also feel relieved. And so it, it it is very important. And so I tell guys that look, if you got to cry, then go somewhere private. You know, drive your car somewhere, park, cry your eyes out. Okay, um, you know, don't walk into the office or you know, if you know, mm-hmm. a lot of guys look at. Um, expressing emotion is weakness. And, and I certainly understand that. But it is also important for us to learn how to grieve. And my dad was a was a Navy SEAL, and he taught me something. He said, a real man is never afraid to say, I love you. And a real man is never afraid to cry for someone he loves who died. And let me tell you, the day he died. Oh, I bet. <laughs> really, really put that into motion. Mm-hmm. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I uh, Thank you. Thank you. I know that my dad and I were, we finished each other's sentence. I, I always pictured soul families like rings of a tree. Yeah. And my dad and I were in the center of a very young tree. <laughs> you know, we were that way. And, and, you know, me being, you know, almost, you know, full pregnancy, you know, three, six weeks away from having a baby that, you know, it, it was like, but I really got, you know, those depression. I didn't want to fill my kid up with depression, but at the same time, it helped me go through grief. But I got about maybe seven years ago that it was up to us women to hold men in a moment that they can start learning to be vulnerable. You know, it's up to us women to hold men in a space where they can be who they need to be, yeah. that we don't need to sabotage it. And and I and I've been trying to help women show that part to, to hold men in a, in a moment, like when my husband was getting sober and he knows I talk about this and he knows that it's for the greater good, that when he was getting sober, half the time I would walk and put my hand on his chest and I said, I love you. And I wasn't saying it to the 42 year old man. I was saying it to the seven year old boy who didn't get love from his mom or love from a situation or love from being. And, and so with that, that I, I was really trying, I was really wanting my, the man and the boy, because there's always an inner child in us that, that really needs that love. And, and that's, that's where we're, we're working. Cause I, I witness so I work in an elementary school system. So I see the broken souls and how can we hold space for those broken souls? In my book, uh, evidence of eternity. I introduce my signature theory, grief, crime, grief. And what I've seen as a medium and as an attorney, um, I've never met a happy alcoholic or drug addict. And what I started seeing with a lot of people that had been arrested for, let's take a drunk driver, a drunk driver who who uh, gets behind the wheel of the car uh, is is under the influence does not mean to hurt anybody and then does 
you know, mm-hmm. causes an accident or, or hurts or, or kills somebody. And what I started seeing is that in so many of these situations, pretty much all of them, in that person's childhood or early adulthood, there was an unresolved grief. Yep. A parent, a sibling, a grandparent, um, maybe a beloved pet even died and it wasn't dealt with. Because a lot of families don't sit down and discuss and do counseling. Or a divorce or, or right, you right. didn't get finish. what you want. Yeah. And so, so there was this unresolved grief. And um, a lot of families don't sit down and discuss it. It's like, don't think about it, dude. Don't worry about it, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this denial and avoidance. And so you can't, you can't avoid or deny grief. And so the child or the young adult was never able to get the benefit of any type of counseling. So that grief then leads mm-hmm. to impulsive behaviors because you can't deny grief. Denial's no. not just a, a river in Africa, okay? No. So, so what happens is they start drinking, they start doing drugs, they engage in uh, um, very blatant, aggressive sexual behavior. They start stealing things to get this high, to get this mm-hmm. inebriation. So their grief leads to crime, which leads to the infliction of grief on other people. And and typically, I was seeing this a lot in DUI, driving under the influence, yes. drunk driving cases. I bet. And so when I was counseling my clients and, and handling them, um, you know, yes, you got to go to the DUI class and all the court ordered stuff. I'd always say who died. And inevitably, they burst into tears. My mother died <laughs> when I was 14 years old. And... And I never got over it. And so I would get them into grief counseling Mm -hmm. as well, because what I saw is that we have to deal with the root cause of the problem. Yes. And so the grief crime grief cycle is something which has to be dealt with a lot. I remember I was uh, counseling. uh, This young guy came to see me. He was a surfer. And. I was looking at his rap sheet. I think he was like 18 or 19 years old. He may have been 20. And I was looking at his rap sheet. And all of a sudden, like when he was about 17, arrest for possession of marijuana, disorderly uh, drunken conduct. Mm -hmm. Then there was DUI number one. Then there was DUI number two. And I was looking at that, and I started feeling this female energy behind him. And I was looking. And he kept looking over his shoulder and looking at me, looking over his shoulder and looking at me. And he said, you see things other people don't, don't you? I go, did your mother die? And he burst into tears. He goes, she died about two and a half years ago. Exactly when everything started started. going. Yep. Downhill. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing how we, if we don't deal with this. You know, because I and that's one thing that I wanted to heal in my husband was that brokenness. His dad was in the military. You know, there was just a lot of broken family moments that that happened. And how can we do that by just, you know, holding space for someone to do the work and to be who they are? And thank you for being one of those vehicles of, of humanity to to support that. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, the legal system, um, there's the objectives of the legal system have been summarized as three R's and a D. Rehabilitation, which is the highest um, objective. That's the lofty one. Then there's restraint. 
which is you're a bad guy, so we're going to restrain you either by putting you in jail or putting you in, in, in uh, on some type of probation. Then there's mm-hmm. revenge, and that's considered you know the lowest objective or the yes. lowest you know. And then there's deterrence. In other words, make the crime the the punishment for the crime so bad that nobody will do this. And it's like you know based on the thousands of people I've represented, criminals don't sit around and have intellectual discussions about. <laughs> If we do this, uh, the repercussions will be that, you know, so so, and and unfortunately, it comes down to the restraint and the revenge seem to be the the focus, because with with all due respect to all the corrections officers and the good intentions, when they say Department of Corrections, it is anything but But. these people don't come out corrected. They come out in, unfortunately, uh, many times even worse. Yes. And. And so it is very important to break the grief, crime, grief cycle to keep people out of the system, out of the exactly, system. Exactly. I know for me and my work that I do, because I deal a lot with grief in my business too. And, and, you know, and I handle a lot of parents who've lost children and then the siblings you know, who have lost their family members. Cause it's all a, di- every, every grief is the same, but then you got these different threads that go down, you know, and, and, and it's how do you negotiate through that individual grief process? And that's the thing. And it, it's amazing when you do work this, the system that, and work the grief process that you actually, I always find that, you know, helping people through the grief process that it actually becomes their greatest strength. You know, we become our greater strength because that vulnerability helps us to get those tools. And I know for me, my husband walked, you know, through most my, I lost my, most my, I lost all my family in seven years and I was an only child, child, only grandchild. So it was me to go through it. And when I went through that, my husband went through with me, but when he lost his dad just a year ago, we just had the year anniversary you know, it was like going through it for the first time. And how do you negotiate that? And I, it was, that was an interesting funeral when I was down there being, grieving myself, being the medium, helping the family, giving the messages of the father, (laughs) grandfather, you know, it was like, holy crap. And at the same time, my husband was, you know, and circuiting, you know, because he was going through his grief and I'm like going, how can I be a supporting wife at the same time? I was like, it was an interesting dance, but it's how do we do it? We go through it. Well, it's, it's also as a medium, it's inappropriate at a funeral to go up to the family and say, oh, your grandfather just wants you to know this because, mm-hmm. yeah. And, but every funeral I've been to, the spirits always show up. I mean, think they, about, do, they do. Yeah, I mean, you know, I want to see, you know, you want to see who's going to be there and. And but but that doesn't necessarily mean you need to. No. And I was I was part of the family. And so I knew when to I I, and my father in law was like, hey, I didn't know you knew this to do this stuff. And I go, yeah, I do. And so what I had like five days to choose and to ask permission and to invite them to want to know the if they wanted to know the information. And so with that, that it, I do it with high, like I said, a high integrity and grace. And, and I didn't do it on the day by any means. It was always around and in, and they were always, thank you for telling me this at this time. You know, it wasn't at the times where they, they were 
at their lowest part. It was at a time when it was, was, I always ask for divine timing. If I'm meant to do this, let it be in divine timing and divine timing always shines always leads me in the right direction, the right path. So it, it's amazing when we can negotiate things like that. But, you know, it, it is, I, I get it. You know, funerals are not the place. <laughs> well, no, a funeral is a ritual, um, mm. which is an important ritual that that the people need to go through. It's it's a way of, of saying, um, I don't like to say goodbye as, how about farewell? Um, because the person doesn't cease to exist. It's the beginning of the acknowledgement. Your relationship has gone from one of a physical nature to now one of a spiritual nature. Mm -hmm. And then later on down the line, like we were talking about before, it can take four to six months before people be ready for, for the spiritual contact. Mm -hmm. But the, the funeral is a process that, that people need to go through. And, I, I like when they call it a celebrational life and that that people share wonderful stories and happy times mm -hmm. and things like that, because that's what people want to be remembered as. Not that just everybody was crying and upset when when he or she passed. Yeah, I always called them the worst, best days because I get to see people I've always wanted to see, you know, like at my mom's funeral. You know, these are people that I grew up knowing but I also knew it would be the last day probably I would see them because the connection was past, you know. And so it, it, it's that worst, best day moment, you know, of, of, of you know, being where we're at. But I agree, so agree. Celebration of life. It's not about the death. It's about the journey of what we've been through. That, that last moment is not our life, you know. It, it is not our life. It's, the, it's what we've done and, and who has been our witnesses, you know, that's one thing that I always try to do is witness people because it's who they are. It's what they're doing. It's the work that they're doing. It's, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that we've had a couple of comments here about, um, you know, like um, Sue said, um, let's see, uh, going back a little bit here, um, as a student of energy healing, I have... I love beginning to catch up with what healers have long known. Yes. And that is true, Susan, because in the work that I do, I'm affiliated with the Soul Phone Project, which is being conducted and developed by Dr. Gary Schwartz at the University of Arizona's Laboratory for the Advancement of Consciousness and Health. And what Dr. Schwartz is working on is technology that will actually communicate with spirits. Now, in the meantime, People like Natasha and I and, and other mediums were the technology. In fact, mm -hmm. everybody's the technology mm -hmm. because we all have the ability to connect with spirits. It's just that some people are, are better at it. Like some people are better mathematicians. Some people are better artists. I mean, we all have different, different skill sets. But technology is now beginning to prove the existence of the afterlife. And that's what, uh, in large part, my book, The Afterlife Frequency, is about because I developed the term the electromagnetic soul. And people say, well, what is that? Well, it is a 21st century term to describe what we really are, which is pure consciousness, mm -hmm. which is soul or spirit that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And <clears throat> where this comes from is years of research. If you look at, at physics, 
everything's made of molecules, which in turn are made of atoms, which in turn are composed of electrons, protons, and neutrons, which in turn are comprised of a smaller particle known as a quantum. That's where the term quantum physics comes from. Mm -hmm. Quantum is electromagnetic energy. And for the science people out there, an electron is technically a quantum. It's a negatively charged one because an electron is one eighteen hundredth the size of a proton. There, I've said that for the science people. <laughs> so that means that everything, meaning our bodies, the air we breathe, the light we see, the radio waves, the shows being broadcast on the surface of Mars and beyond is at the most basic unit electromagnetic energy. Yes. We know from the field of neuroscience that the brain is an organ and that only accounts for two and a half to three percent of the body's weight, yet it uses over 20 percent of the body's electrical energy and it has an electromagnetic field. We know that from the laws of thermodynamics and physics, energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred. So we see from the great spiritual teachers from ancient India through Zoroaster, Moses, Buddha, Confucius, mm -hmm. Muhammad, all the way up to the present day that the soul, the spirit, the who and what we are pre-exists the body, comes into the body, moves on after the body dies. The brain does not create the soul, the consciousness, it merely hosts it the way your computer hard drive did not create Windows 11 in, in all the data. It, it mm -hmm. merely hosts it. So the electromagnetic soul crystallizes all that down into pure consciousness, which is eternal electromagnetic energy. And Dr. Gary Schwartz said that let's look at soul, the word soul, as source of universal love. So when you put all that together, it, it doesn't make it quite so clinical, but it does, it, it, I mean, it is clinical and it is scientific, but it also adds the, the love element, which is the best thing about life. And my belief is that spirit communication and near-death experiences, deathbed visions, out-of-body experiences, visitations when spirits communicate with you, whether or not you're a medium, mm -hmm. None of this is hocus pocus or magic. It is all explainable on the basis of quantum physics. And my electromagnetic soul theory is the foundation for understanding all of these different forms of spirit communication. And that's a big part of what the afterlife frequency, my latest book is all about. Cool. That is so cool. Cause I know for me, I get, I see the quantum physics. But my reading level is, and I bring it down into the kindergarten classroom. You know, how do we how do we manage the quantum physics of spirituality, the knowings? I, I can't even put words to it because it's like so immense and bring it down into the 3D world. And I think that's why I was I was baptized being dyslexic, because I get how to apply it to the day to day life in the sense of, because I'm not reading my knowings into me, I'm living my knowings into me. And so with that, that it's interesting to negotiate those, you know, how do you manage those soul beings? That's why, you know, when we talk about something, we get, you know, the goosebumps because the vibration of our, the electricity of us knows when there's a truth, you know? 
that you know there's so many things that call it our truth makers and and so and that's the difference between a lot of us is how do we believe and how do we not believe you know how do i trust how do we not trust you and i i can tell are very trustworthy beings in the universe you know and then there's some people that have a hard time trusting themselves you know so how are they going to trust something that they don't see and be and it's like like i made two copies oh. for my husband this morning and he goes why are you making me two copies i said because i heard it here's two copies i don't know why he needs two copies i just trusted the process of that you know it's like you know it's just what it is so yeah <laughs> but thank you you know and and that's the thing you know like sue was saying you're speaking my language you know because it is it, it i'm so grateful that science is catching up with with things that us who have been intuitive, I've been intuitive my whole lifetimes. You know, I've also know my soul is dyslexic because I've been dyslexic in more than one lifetime too. So with that, that, that being who we are, that it is amazing how we do carry our soul is our, our brain in a way, you know, that's why I call my higher self as my brain of my soul. No, no, no. You're confusing the organ of the brain with the electromagnetic soul and they are two completely different yes they are they are okay so the who and what we are is the ems and please forgive me i beg to differ your yes, soul we all never, have different knowings your, your soul has never been dyslexic dyslexia is an interphase issue between the right and left hemispheres of the brain and it's a processing issue in the in the over fifteen thousand readings i've done when people die what dies is the body and with and it yes. illnesses and problems. So the dyslexia dies as well. Okay. So your spirit is, is perfectly aware of that. Now on the other, the flip side of the karmic coin, um, Albert Einstein showed dyslexic tendencies. Mm -hmm. A lot of brilliant people throughout history have shown dyslexic tendencies. So maybe what you're sensing is brilliance being carried through several lifetimes and maybe it was decided by your electromagnetic soul or the collective consciousness that you should have that particular physical issue of dyslexia but the spirit itself is free of all physical and i and i understand that there there's there's certain i'm gonna call it then let me add on to language because that like that the language that i have interacted with my soul has been that we've had this story i'm going to call it then of dyslexia through different avenues because of how that i was meant to be my truer self in many lifetimes mm -hmm. and this helped me to find through that and so with that that i have understood and witnessed myself in different lifetimes being dyslexic. So thank you right. for that clarity. Cause that, that I do know that part right, of it, right, right, but, like, I, but I, I did, I, but my language didn't allow me to explain it right, the way I right, wanted right. to know we're, it. We're so. Also our obligation is to make sure, you know, people realize that let's say the soul um, is clean. The soul, well, is free, free mm -hmm. of, because um, like I did a reading for a gentleman and, and the spirit came through and I could see him um, wearing, um, braces on his arms and his legs and he had these crutches and all of a sudden he threw them aside and started jumping around and dancing and speaking clearly and when i described him the, the guy the older gentleman goes my god that was my brother he had cerebral palsy and now i know he's free of it 
Yep. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the thing is, we all have gifts from God. Mm -hmm. And and for the people who say that mediumship is not a God, they really need to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 12, <laughs> which gives a list of gifts from God, two of which include prophecy and discernment of spirits. Hello. And it said that all of these gifts are from one and the same spirit, meaning God. Yes. So when you get people that are salad bar Christians who like to pick and choose which uh, lines and verses without understanding the entire document, you know, God bless them for their faith. Yes. But may we pray that their eyes be opened, that the divine is much bigger than any book, any scripture or any belief system, and that we all have an ability to be sensitive to the presence of spirits. And, and once again, in the afterlife frequency, I write about the raft technique and people can learn about that and how to do it, but it teaches everybody um, how to recognize, accept, feel, and trust messages from spirits. And I know we're running low on time, but anyway, yes. let people know that the raft technique will help everybody um, how to recognize, accept, feel, and trust the messages from their loved ones in spirit. So, Natasha, I want to thank you for having me um, on your you program. Thank you for being it's here. So I'm fun. so grateful. I'm so grateful. You know, it's been amazing to get to, you know, because that's the thing is I'm so grateful you were able to speak on the scientific knowings because, you know, it's for me that it's hard for me to verbalize what I know you know, that, that bigger picture, it's, it's been, it's something that in the last like five months, six months, I've really been working on that part of me because finally I'm free of a lot of different things, but um, it's, it's amazing the dance of how our soul is negotiating what we're going through. So thank you so much for being you. You have been a gift. You are a gift and you're going to continually be a gift. And I'm so grateful your mom was, gave you that message because it's, you, you know, it's, yeah, exactly. Because she's just been, you know, in your, you know, go, go, go house, you know, it's that, yeah, you know, so it, it's that, that amazing. And I know that there was a couple of people who asked for reading. I apologize for not getting there. This is not, when I have a guest, many times it's about the guest and, well, and, um, doing that then, and then the people who want readings, go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com, and you can tune into my show, which is every Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Mountain, and 4 p.m. Pacific, because we do take calls from listeners, mm -hmm. because that's a big part of the show to do readings. And the name of the show is The Psychic and the Doc, and it's on the Transformation Talk uh, Radio Transformation Talk Radio Network. But if you go to my website, um, uh, afterlifefrequency.com, just scroll down to where you see The Psychic and the Doc, click on there, and it'll, it'll mm -hmm. tell you how to get there. Yeah, and usually on my show, I do give readings when it's just me and, and I can negotiate, but I had a lot going on over here, so I, I apologize for not getting them over here. To, to do that. But thank you, Mark, for your, for your gift of being here. I know that you're a busy man. And, and so thank you for thank putting you. me on your calendar and I appreciate you. So 
Thank you again. And um, thank you all for listening. Please like, subscribe if you like what you're hearing. And this is later on podcast. If you would like to listen, it's on Life Clarifications with Natasha. So thank you, everyone. Blessings. See you on Monday with Regan. And we will talk to you then. Bye now.